Thank you, praise team. If you have your Bible this morning, could you open up to Isaiah, ninth chapter? Isaiah chapter 9. Be looking at verse 5 here shortly. You know, last month uh, we, we uh, went through kind of a series on Thanksgiving, about how we ought to give thanks to God. It's, in fact, the will of God for us to give thanks in all things. That's what it says, right? And so I hope you all had a, a wonderful Thanksgiving, and I hope much thanks was given to God throughout all of that. But uh, we're going to focus this month on uh, the person of Jesus Christ. That's who we're going to be looking at all this month uh, in, in uh, light of the Christmas seasons. But before we do that, let's pray, and then we'll uh, go to the Word. Uh, Father God, we just thank you for this uh, opportunity we have to gather to just give praise to you. Father, we thank you above all things for your son, Jesus Christ, this morning. And Lord, as we uh, look at the scripture, uh, Father, we just pray that you will enlighten us, even as he is the light. And so, Father, we pray that uh, this morning your spirit would teach us, that you would just come near to us, that you will come alongside of us, and that you will be our help, our comfort. Lord, you will be our teacher uh, through the Holy Spirit this morning. And all this we ask in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Uh, so in light, like I said, of this upcoming Christmas holiday, we're going to be focused on the person of Jesus this month, and particularly uh, who he is, uh, why he came, what he's done, who he came for, and all that that means to the world. So we'll be looking at that this month. Uh, most of us in here probably, perhaps all of us know Jesus. We know who we're talking about. And if we were to go around this room and, and just ask everyone to contribute as to who he is, we might get a complete picture. I believe that all of us have some of it. Maybe none of us have all of it. But uh, between this church, we would figure out who he is based on what the scripture says. So we're all holding on to a piece of that promise. But we're going to look through the scriptures to answer this question. That's the title of today's message, uh, Who is Jesus? So we're going to look at that through the scripture. First off, we're going to Isaiah uh, chapter 9 and verse 5 and 6. We're going to look at those two particular verses. You see these a lot during uh, Christmas time. They'll be on ornaments and Christmas cards and everything else. It's an important verse. It's important because uh, this is what we would call the Jewish part of the Bible. Okay? This is in the Old Testament, and yet it shows who Jesus is in such a way where you can't deny it. I mean, who is this child that it's talking about? Well, we know who it is, but let's take a look at this. It's a wonderful promise. Um, this is in Isaiah uh, chapter 9, in verse uh, 5 and actually verse 6. Sorry, 6 and 7. I said uh, 5 and 6, but it's 6 and 7. But it says this, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor. What's the next one? The Mighty God. Okay, that's important. The Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And it says in verse 7, of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom uh, to, the, to order it and to establish it with judgment and with judgment from henceforth, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. All right? So the first point I wanted to make, and 
uh, I, I kind of did a uh, slide for you uh, for this particular presentation because a lot of people ask, well, what was that verse? And you don't leave them up long enough. So uh, Josh was gracious enough to throw those up real quick this morning for me. Uh, but here's the first one. Jesus is the mighty God, as we just read, and he is the almighty God. I want you to get that, okay? So when we talk about Jesus being God, we're not up in the night. We're not making up stuff. We're not uh, creating new doctrines. They're all from the scripture. And we're going to look at a few of those just today. But back to this verse in Isaiah, it says that he shall be called the mighty God. Now, if you, if you were to look in your Bible, you'll see the word mighty is not uh, capitalized. And in particular, the words there, the mighty God, are El Gabor. Okay? When you see the name uh, El, E-L, that speaks of God. Okay? That's, by the way, that's not God's name. It just means God, God of gods. And in fact, it's a uh, plural uh, form of the word often that's used, but... When you just see it singular that way, God, we're talking about the God, okay? And so his name shall be El Gabor or the mighty God, okay? Now, what does El Gabor mean? It means the God man or it means the, the God-like man, okay? Uh, which, does that, does that describe uh, our Savior Jesus? Absolutely. He is the God man. He is 100% God. He's 100% man at the same time. And so we see the mighty God, this El Gabor. And um, like I said, this, this word for El or God, E-L, that usually is reserved for God himself. But here it is referring to Jesus. Okay. So if we were to uh, look at the almighty God, if we look, were to look at that, that is the Hebrew words El Shaddai, okay? Now, you'll, you'll see that a lot in, in the uh, scripture, maybe not written that way, but if you do a word search, you'll find El Shaddai uh, is what is translated into the Almighty God, okay? Now, if you are the Almighty God, can you have two Almighty Gods? I mean, you would be sharing something, but you can't both be the Almighty, right? The Almighty suggests there's only one. Well, I ask you a question. Is Jesus, uh, it says he's the mighty God, El Gabor, but is he El Shaddai? Is he the Almighty? Well, the scripture says that he is, which can be somewhat confusing. Uh, we talked about the Trinity, the Godhead three in one. We sang that just a minute ago, right? Father, Spirit, and Son, or Father, Son, and Spirit, however you like to order that. Um, but He is the Almighty. Take a look at uh, Revelation chapter 1, verse 18. That'll be the next one. Okay? I'm not, not 18, sorry. 1, 1 through 8. Let's, let's read through those. Back of your Bible. And this is a... Uh, this is very interesting. If, if you know anything about the book of Revelation, who wrote the book of Revelation, somebody? The Apostle John, right? He wrote that on the island of Patmos. Uh, John, in particular, wrote the Gospel of John, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, and then he wrote Revelation. So he wrote a significant amount of the books in the New Testament. But here's what's important. John is not part of 
what we would call the synoptic gospels, John's gospel is different in that he presents Jesus as deity. Okay? He never breaks from that in any of his epistles. He doesn't do that here in Revelation, certainly. And he has this vision while he's on the island of Patmos. And, and look at uh, verses 1 through 8 here in Revelation chapter 1. This is the, this, by the way, Revelation, it's not Revelations, okay? This isn't things revealed. This is about a person revealed, okay? Some, uh, some of your Bibles may have a title that said the Revelation of the Apostle John, not the revelation of the apostle or St. John. This is the revelation, just the way John wrote it, of Jesus Christ. Look at verse 1. This is the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified them, or signified it by his angel unto his servant John, who bear record of the word of God, and of the testimony of Jesus Christ, and of all things that he saw. He says this, Blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of this prophecy, and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. He says, John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be unto you, and peace from him which is, and which was, and which is to come, and from the seven spirits which are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead. That means he died, right? He, he came back, begotten of the dead, and uh, the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. And he says, Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him, and, and all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so, amen. Now look at the next description in verse 8. <clears throat> he says, I am Alpha and Omega. That means he is the A to the Z, so to speak. That's how we'd say it in our vernacular. Okay, he's Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come. What is he? What's the next word say? The Almighty. Now, when people think we're making up stuff by calling Jesus the God, the Almighty, we worship him as God, we sing praise to him, we give glory to him, then we are singing to our God, Jesus Christ, right? And we give glory to God the Father through him because Jesus, it says, is the, is the visible image of the invisible God, okay? That's why we do what we do, all right? So he is both uh, the mighty God and the almighty God, all right? If you were to look further down at verse 17, <clears throat> Uh, John, who, who says this, he says, And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead, and he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and, and of death. Uh, so that tells us that 
this whole passage we just read earlier was speaking of him. It, it declares who he is. He is the Almighty, okay? And uh, I want us to see that. Here's the second thing I want us to see, that Jesus is the creator of the heavens and of the earth. He is the creator of the heavens and of the earth. Now, if you were to uh, look at your Bible in Genesis 1, uh, 1, 1 says this, in the beginning, somebody created the heaven and the earth. Who is it? God. But you know what this, this Bible says, the New Testament? It says Jesus created all things, the heavens, the worlds, the earth. Well, who created it then? Jesus or God? See, we just say, yeah. Yeah, that's, yes, he did. The Trinity. Okay, Jesus, the word of God which later we find out from John was made flesh, he created all things, okay, by his power. Now, this gets interesting because it almost seems like the Bible is, is double speaking, but it's not. There is a truth here that we must mine for, we have to dig for it, and it's this, that God the Father, Jesus Christ the Son, and the Holy Spirit, they are God. These three persons make up the one God that the Bible says exists. All the rest are false. All the rest are idols. There is one God who made everything. Uh, if he made everything, how much is left for some other God to create? Zip. Okay, he made all of it. Uh, this God says that he fashioned you in your mother's womb. He knit you together. He gave you a spirit in a soul? Well, uh, how many people are created by a different God? Uh, that doesn't leave room for any, okay? So we only have one God. But um, look at Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 through 19. You know, I, I don't merely, I, I used to not put stuff on the board, and I may not always do that, so don't be spoiled by that, Okay? Uh, I want you to dig in your Bible for stuff. The, the treasure's in your Bible. I just put it up here so that uh, you could stay caught up with what I'm saying. Because we're going to go through a lot about who Jesus is this month. I may do it throughout this month, and we'll see how it goes from there. Okay? But look at Colossians 1.15. It's talking about Jesus. Okay? Who sa it says, who is the image of the invisible God? the firstborn of every creature. Now, let me just stop right there. When the Bible talks about he is the image of the invisible God, God can't be seen. He's invisible. He's spirit. Uh, Jesus said in John chapter 4, talking to the woman at the well, right? So God is spirit. If he's a spirit, does he have flesh and bone? The Bible says no. As a matter of fact, Jesus says no. If you'll recall, he told Thomas here, Reach into my hands, into my nail holes, right? And into my side. See that it's I. He goes, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones, as you see that I have. So if God's a spirit, guess what he doesn't have? One of these, okay? So when you hear people say, well, God has flesh and bones. Jesus was made in his image. He looks just like him. We're made in the image of God, so God looks like us. No, he doesn't. Sorry. 
I have it on the testimony of Jesus, who is the true and faithful witness, and I have it on Scripture that God is a spirit, and he cannot be seen with the eye, so to speak. Okay? Now, we'll see his glory. We may see some emanations that come from him, but he is not a person like us of flesh and bone. Get that. That's important, right? Because when you begin to worship flesh and bone, you're worshiping a false idol. Uh, Jesus came and took on human flesh, all right? Now, does that mean he looks exactly like God the Father looks? Absolutely not. You'll see paintings and depictions of Jesus and the Father. They could be twins. Uh, no, that's not what it is. As a matter of fact, when it says he came in the image, Hebrews 1 talks about he is the express image of the eternal God, right? Well, the word for express image is character. I want you to know this stuff because it's not speaking about his physical features. It's talking about his person, all right? All of us in here have a person in a particular personality and character, but that's not what we look like. We all age, we get old, we'll die. When we get to heaven, at least I'm praying for this, that I don't still look like I look now. I'm hoping for some improvements. Okay? At least be taller. I mean, that would be something. Okay? But uh, it's not about the physical appearance. Look at, he's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. Doesn't mean he was born. All right? When the Bible speaks of the firstborn, it's talking about uh, the one who has the double portion, the one who is the uh, eldest, so to speak, and getting the double inheritance. Jesus is the firstborn over every creature. I, he's not talking about birds and, and bees here. He's talking about people as being creatures, all right? Who is preeminent? In other words, the, the first of all consideration in terms of uh, being the firstborn. Well, Jesus is. Uh, in God's eyes, Jesus is it. He is the name above all names that we were singing about just a minute ago, right? He has preeminence. His name is higher than all the angels. In fact, the only name that Jesus' name is not higher than is God's himself, right? It's not higher than God's name. But God, God doesn't make it lesser than, but I would say that their names are equal, okay, in terms of how heaven goes. But look at what he says next. For by him, meaning Jesus, this, this image of the invisible God, the firstborn, by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions, principalities or powers, all things were created by him. And what's it say next? And for him. Okay? It says, meaning this, these things were done by Jesus and for Jesus. And it says, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. So what's holding it all together? Well, the word of Jesus is what's holding it together. He is the reason why things are not coming apart at the seams, okay? As bad as this world is, he's the one that's causing it to, uh, you know, causing evil to be restrained. But look what it says next. And he is the head of the body, the church. 
who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, and we read that in Revelation, that in all things he might have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him, in Jesus, should all the fullness of the Godhead, uh, is what it's speaking of, of, should dwell. Now, I already stated that in Genesis chapter 1, Scripture says God made heaven and earth. Now, here in Colossians, we see that Jesus made it. So, which is it? Yes, both. Okay? Because Jesus is God, and that's the only conclusion you can come up with. If Jesus is not God, then we have a discrepancy and a blunder in the Scriptures. And we do not have that. This is the Word of God. Uh, let me give you a couple other re quick references. Uh, we won't read them all, but uh, here's one, John 1.1. 1, 1. Okay, this is the Gospel of John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John says, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was what? Was God. Okay? It says the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Does it exist? Jesus made it. Okay? That's who Jesus is. He, he is the creator of the heavens and earth. Here's, here's another one. Uh, if you go down to verse, verse 10, it says, He was in the world, this is Jesus, He came and visited, and the world was made by Him, and the world knew Him not. Uh, that's a problem. In fact, His own people, His kinsmen, He was born in the, in the uh, Jewish line. They, that made Jewish people His kinsmen. They didn't even know who He was. And they have the Scripture. Okay? Um, Hebrews 1.1 says the same. It says, God who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. You got that? Jesus made all that. Now, these are important verses. I say them a lot because I want them in your head. I want you to be able to cite them. I want you to be able to remember them when you're speaking with uh, those who are teaching or bringing a false doctrine. Know this stuff. You have to know it. In fact, Hebrews is a wonderful book if you live here because it answers a lot of the false claims by false religions. Okay? We'll get to that in a minute. But... um. You go on in Hebrews to uh, chapter 3 and verse 4, it says that, For every house is builded by some man, but he that built all things is God. Well, if Jesus built all things and made all things and they're all his, then why is this verse in there saying that God made everything? Because it's talking about Jesus, who is who? He's God. Just accept that's what it says. By faith, embrace that. Okay? Uh, I hear people say, well, we pray to, to God the Father. We don't pray to Jesus. Uh, well, pray to God. Can you pray to Jesus? You can pray to Jesus. I'll tell you why, because he's God. He makes intercession for us. All right? Uh, so that's fine. As a matter of fact, Stephen, the first Christian martyr in the book of Acts, he prayed to God, meaning Jesus. Okay? Uh, you, you can go back and read that. It's in chapter 7, I believe. Uh, look at 
The third reason why uh, th- this name, who, who Jesus is, is important. It's important to know Jesus is the Almighty God and the Creator of the heavens and the earth. This is why it's important. Uh, I already mentioned this. There are other faiths that uh, teach that Jesus is merely the Son of God. Now, when I say merely, you know, we hear Jesus is the Son of God. Is that a big deal? The only begotten, but he's the Son, the Son of God, not a Son of God. He's the. Okay, meaning he's the only begotten. We're going to get to that in a minute. But that's important. Uh, Let's just dive into that. Okay, there are other faiths that teach he's merely just a son of God, and uh, all other uh, sons and daughters, children of God, are also just his siblings. That's what they'll teach. Uh, Let me just say this. They teach that in the dominant faith right here. Right here where we're at. Okay? That's an important thing, an important distinguishing uh, characteristic about Jesus that we preach versus the one they preach. Okay, uh, they will say that Jesus uh, was the one who was assigned to build the heavens and the earth. In other words, God uh, orchestrated it. He was the chief architect. By the way, that's Masonic, that he is the chief architect of this universe. Okay, and then Jesus merely went out and obeyed orders and put it all together for him. So God gets the credit. Jesus did the work. Uh, Did you get that in any of the scriptures we were reading? Who did it say built everything? Jesus did. Now, who acts in their own counsel if we know what the Bible says? Well, God does. Well, Jesus didn't go do it without the Father's knowledge, but the Father and Jesus both had the same knowledge and the same plan and the same uh, uh, eventual plan to do it. So... Look at what the Bible says. I want you to see uh, Bible passages. Jesus being the creator, uh, it's important to know that. Look at Philippians 2, 5 through 8. Okay? This is always in one of those course books. They want you to memorize this stuff. This is important. Look at it. It says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Now, this is speaking of an attitude we're to have, the humility we're to have, but we certainly can't be in Jesus' shoes, can we? I mean, we can't be the saviors of the world, can we? Okay, so it says this mind was in him. Uh, it says, who, being in the form of God, underline that in your Bible. Jesus was in the form of God. Look what he did. It says, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. You know, you know the only way you can have equality, parity with God, and not be, uh, you know, an offense to God? Do you know what it is? You got to be God. You see, and uh, it, it says in Isaiah chapter 43 that God will not share his glory with another. Well, why does he let Jesus have glory then? Because he's God. He's deity. Okay? So... He thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself. Now look at this. God didn't do this to him. Made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, humbled himself 
and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. He says, let that mind be in you. That's what was in him, this kind of uh, humility, this kind of obedience. Something that wasn't mentioned so much, uh, Doug had sent me an article about Nigeria, actually earlier this week, but they are slaughtering Christians. There's a genocide going on in Nigeria where the Muslims are killing Christians. Now, what are they doing but suffering as Christ suffered for the glory of God? Nothing. And that's what, that's what uh, uh, Paul's talking about to the church at Philippi. Let this mind be in you. If suffering comes and we have to die for the Lord, then glory be to the Lord. If he lets us live, then let's live unto the Lord. If we speak, let us speak the oracles of God. If we're going to work, then let us work as if unto the Lord. Everything we do ought to bring glory to the Father through his Son. Everything. That's the mind he's saying, uh, let that be in you, okay? So Jesus was in the form of God prior to coming here, prior to taking on the form of a servant, okay? So this isn't something we make up. He, was, he wasn't, as some would suggest, he's just a perfect man that God made to come and die and that's it, to pay the price. See, he was only created 2,000 years ago, 2019 to be specific. No, that's not who he is. The Bible says he was God and he took on the form of a servant. If he was God, do you know what that means? Jesus Christ is from all eternity past. There was never a time that Jesus Christ did not exist. Only the person of Jesus that we're speaking of right now in Philippians came and took that form on 2,019 years ago. Okay? That's what the scripture suggests. Now, secondly, Jesus is the creator. We've, we've covered that. We've looked at so many verses but understand this, Jesus was not a helper, okay? Jesus wasn't coming alongside to help God with the plan. He was not some uh, helper or servant, okay? Here's another thing. Jesus didn't have help. You know, there, there's a uh, belief that Jesus and Adam and the Holy Spirit got together and made everything. That's what's taught here in this valley. That's not the Bible. You see, that's not the Bible at all. Uh, as a matter of fact, if you were to turn to Isaiah 44, 24, I'd ask you to go there. Uh, look at that with your own eyeballs. Okay? Look in your Bible. I know what mine says. I don't know what yours says. Isaiah chapter 44 Verse 24. See, that's why I didn't write the verse out for you. I want you to look in your Bible still. 44.24. It says, Thus saith the Lord, thy Redeemer, and he that formed thee from the womb... Remember, I told you he made you in the womb. He says, I am the Lord that maketh uh, some of the things. What's your Bible say? All things. 
that stretcheth forth the heavens. How does he do it? By myself or alone, right? And the King James says alone. That spreadeth abroad the earth by myself. Listen, uh, Jesus didn't have help. When he made everything that was made, the Bible tells us elsewhere that he did it by the breath of his mouth. The word went out, and the thing that he said, uh, let it be, it was. That's how he made it. He didn't get already existing material. He didn't go, well, let's go get some of this uh, smart matter, and we'll put some things together, and then it'll function. No, no, he spoke, and the worlds came into being. That's what it says in the Psalms. Okay? Uh, now, what I want to make clear is the Bible nowhere suggests that Jesus Christ and God the Father are the same person. Get that. They're not the same person. They're distinct. They're two different people, but they are not two different gods. That means as long as God has been around, and how long ago was that? When did God come into being? Anybody? He has no beginning, right? He has no end. As long as he was there, Jesus was there. So he doesn't come into being at some point in the scripture. They're not the same person, but they're clearly the same God. But I want to deviate for a minute here. When we're talking about Jesus, okay, um, he's referred to as the Son of God. Now, I'm not going to get into a debate about that. Some would say, hey, Jesus has always been the Son of God, but if you're the Son of anything, you are born of something else. Okay? If, if Jesus is God, and as a matter of fact, we just read that in Philippians, that he was in the form of God, and then he took on this flesh. Well, when he took on the flesh, then he is definitely called, he shall be called the Son of God, is what the Scripture says. I have no problem with that. Okay? <clears throat> but Jesus is uniquely... He's uniquely the only begotten Son of God. Uniquely. That means we're not all begotten sons of God. Okay, to be begotten means to, <coughs> excuse me, to come into being, to be born. <coughs> How many of you were begotten? <coughs> all of us. We didn't always exist. Now, Jesus already existed. It says in the scripture that he's from everlasting, from old. Well, he came into being 2,019 years ago. I think so. Yeah. He, he uh, came into being. He's called the only begotten son of God. Let me tell you why that's so important. Jesus is not one of us. Put that down big and straight. He's not like us. Okay? He calls us brothers, it says, but not in the same sense that I have a flesh and blood brother. He came and he took on flesh, and so therefore he partook of our nature. But he was not like us. 
He was begotten of God. That means God is his father. You know how we become children of God? Anybody? Adoption. We're adopted into the family. We're not natural children of God. We're not, we don't have the DNA of God. Jesus was born of Mary, a virgin. No man made him. What's his blood type? God. What's his DNA? God. Now we were fashioned. What's our DNA? <coughs> Dirt. Dirt bags. Nothing wrong with that. That's just true. It's God's dirt, but, I mean, he fashioned Adam out of the dust of the ground. We have the same elements as dirt. You've heard me say that a lot, but that's all we are, lest we think we're somehow deity. You know what, the, uh, what Paul says in the Scripture? He says, that which is uh, uh, spiritual was not first, but that which is natural. In other words, the natural man eating natural foods from, from nature, from the earth, because that's what we need. He says, we weren't spiritual first, but natural first, but then spiritual. You know what other religions teach? And I would include Judaism. They wrongly teach it, but it's in the Bible, so they should know better. Uh, the, the dominant faith outside these doors, they teach that we came down from heaven and took on bodies. No, no, no. That's what the Lord did. You understand that? That's what God did. Do you know what we did? We were born of the earth, earthy, and then when we're born again, we take on the spiritual, and that's where we're headed. That's what the Bible says. Get that straight. We were natural men and women first, of the earth, earthy, the Bible says. Then, born again, we will go to heaven because we're born of God according to John 1. Not by the will of the flesh, not by the will of man, but by the will of God. Okay? That's, that's just important. So we're not like Jesus. We're, we're not natural uh, sons and daughters of God. We're adopted. We're brought into the family. Okay? Um, <clears throat> as a matter of fact, if we're talking about uh, God and Jesus... Look at 1 Timothy 2.5, by the way. I'll tell you why this is all so important. If you were to talk to other faiths, uh, I'll just start with uh, Judaism. They have, they have kings and priests, right? They have priests to intercede for you. They go kill stuff uh, on the altar. They have a high priest that makes atonement for the nation, right? Kings and priests. You got go-betweens. If you go to the Catholic Church, can you absolve yourself? Can you just make your appeal to God direct? No. You can't even do it through Jesus. No, you have to have a priest do that for you. Now, is that in the Bible? No. What does 1 Timothy 2.5 say? Take a look at your Bible. All right? I want you to get this. You know, sometimes... Uh, um, an unrealistic amount of authority and power are given to clergy. And it doesn't matter if they're pastors, priests, or whatever. They give too much authority to that position, as though we 
are somehow uh, the ones that save people. That's not what my Bible says. My Bible says this. It says, for there is one God. How many gods? One God. And one mediator. Look, there is one mediator between God and man. And it says, that the man Christ Jesus. How am I going to heaven? Through Jesus, the only begotten Son of God, who alone died on the cross to atone for my sin and yours. That's how I'm going. How are you going? You know, it's not by some man. It's not by some uh, uh, person of clergy in some kind of authority. No, it's by Jesus. He is the author and perfecter of our faith. He is the Savior of mankind. And see, we need to know that. That's why it's important. Well, who absolves you if you go to the Catholic Church? Well, you got to go see the priest. You got to tell him your whole life story. You got to say how many Our Fathers and Hail Marys he tells you to say, or it's no good. Your absolution doesn't work. Well, what if I go to the LDS Church? No, they have bishops, and they have priests, and they have a prophet. Now, the Bible says God used to speak to us through prophets, but he has in these last times spoken to us through his son, whom he made the heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. That's what we read in Hebrews 1.1. So how, how do I get forgiven? Through Jesus, the only begotten son of God. You see, we need to know that. Why is that important? You see that bottom line there? The bottom two lines? First off, the cults preach a different Jesus. The Jesus I'm preaching to you comes out of the Bible. I've asked you to read through your Bible. I've not twisted anything. It says it in several places, and it says the same thing in several places. I didn't take one little obscure verse and twist that so that I can make you believe what I want you to believe. But the cults do that. They'll take a certain thing, and they'll turn it into a, a whole religion. You go down to Texas, they got, uh, I think it's in Sweetwater, but they've got a, a rattlesnake roundup, right? Pentecost, you can pick up deadly snakes and be bitten and not die. Look, if you get in a pit of rattlesnakes, let me just tell you, and this, you could say it's almost a prophecy, but if you get in a pit of rattlesnakes, you're going to die. That's dumb, okay? God does not want us tempting him by playing with deadly serpents you saw what it did to eve okay well don't be dumb about it it just means should that happen in in your going in missionary work particularly the apostles paul got bit remember that shook the serpent off in the fire after they were shipwrecked and came ashore what happened to him nothing they started worshiping him he said don't worship me that's god Okay, so we just need to know the difference. Don't tempt God. Don't be dumb with what the scripture says and don't turn it into some strange religion because that does, in and of itself doesn't make it God. We need to take the whole counsel of God, all right? But not only uh, do the cults preach a different Jesus, and uh, when I had Josh do this, he came up to me and he goes, it only said a lie can save you. That's it. And he goes, hey, he goes, am I to understand that last verse? And I looked up there, a lie can save you? 
And I said, no, it says a lie can't save you. And I showed him what I sent him. Now, what's the difference between the first half of that last line and the second half? Just an N and a little apostrophe and a T. Well, come on. Is that a big difference? You know what? That changes everything. And that's why some Jesus, with the little twist, can't do it, and the Jesus we preach can. You see the difference? And I'm like, leave it there. That is the illustration that I'm trying to make. Right there. The difference in the Jesus they preach, he's a made-up Jesus. He is a figment. He's either our brother, or he's some false god, or he's just one of us, some schmo like we are. Well, he can't save anybody. Only the biblical Jesus, who is God in the flesh, can save you and me from our sin. And that is the message. Who is Jesus? He is God's only begotten Son who took on flesh to come to pay for our sin, my sin and yours, and he took it upon the cross and he nailed our offense to the cross and saved us from our sin. Praise the Lord indeed. And I want us to go back and really take a hard look at who Jesus is. I want us to be thinking about where we were when we got saved. What changed us? How excited were we when we came to Christ? How did our new relationship with Christ invigorate our soul and make us alive in the Lord? How thankful were we? How much were we ready to sing praise to him compared to maybe we've been walking five years, 10 years, 20 years? Yeah, we kind of used to being saved people. We're kind of used to being, you know, children of God. Hey, we need to go back. We need to go back and take a hard look at who Jesus is, and we need to re-grasp some of that thankfulness that we have. You know what it says in, the, in uh, the book of Revelation to the church at Ephesus? He says, you do all this stuff really good, but I got this one thing against you. You have forgotten your first love. You remember how much you love Jesus? At the first, you remember when you first got saved, how grateful you were that your sin was as far from you as the east was from the west? Now, where are you? You still thinking this way? Well, we need to. We need to exalt the name of Jesus. We need to be bold in our faith. We need to know that the church does not save you, that Christ saves you. Amen? We need to go back to him. We'll have a time invitation um, we, could, we could speak a lot about, about false religions, false churches, and so forth. That's really not the goal. I want us to get our eyes on Jesus. Look, no lie can save you, all right? No false doctrine or religion is going to save you. Only the biblical Jesus. And I would just ask you to trust him today if you haven't already. And if you have trusted him in the past, but you've wandered away as all of us have, every one of us have wandered away from Jesus, I would say come back. Jesus would have you come back and start again, all right? Let's all stand. Have our brothers come up. We'll have a quick time of prayer. If uh, the Lord's speaking to you and giving you unction,
to move this morning, I would ask that you do so, that you'd obey him. Do that first and do it without delay. As Brother Travis is playing, you come forward. If you need prayer, uh, we're up here, we'll pray with you. You come as the Lord leads.